Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, the podcast about being a geek by two middle-aged geek dads. I'm Ken Newquist, and I'm playing entirely too much Lego Star Wars. I am David Moore, and I have had a week of trials and tribulations, and I am looking forward to having some relaxing time in the Lair. Indeed, that's why we have it, right? Yep. yep. Nice and cool. <laughs> Sit back, read some books, and like forget about the world for a little bit. Yeah. And of course, speaking of books, we have our summer reading list. Summer is pretty much here, just about. My youngest daughter is... My eldest is out of college for the summer. My youngest finishes this week for all of her finals for high school. Um, so, Ken, why don't you kick us off with a book from one of you, from your summer reading list? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I have to agree. It, it does feel like summer. I mean, it actually this weekend it got up to like ninety. I'm like, wow, this is really bad. It was really humid. Yep. And so now it's dropped back into the like. 70s, which is entirely more reasonable for Bay. Yeah. But, you know, it got me inspired with my books. And so I, I have cracked open some of the books on my reading list. Uh, one of them that I'm reading right now actually is The Empire's Ruin, which is um, part of the Ashes of the Unhewn Throne series by Brian Stalby. Uh, it's a follow up to his Chronicle of the Unhewn Throne, uh, in which this empire tries to survive against conspiracies from within and enemies from without and an ancient threat, uh, you know. Return to Dominate the World, uh, kind of familiar um, fantasy tropes. He does a really great job of world building. The main characters from the Empire are like three siblings. There's a, a son who is um, basically set up to be the next emperor who has been raised by these monks so he can perfect uh, basically a very calm mind. Uh, you have another one who's gone off to join the Ketrels, which is this like elite squad of soldiers that fly giant birds and like they're they're basically like your special operations unit right yep and uh the last one is the daughter who is training to i think to be like the minister of finance or something like that um but it's great it has all these great political map uh, manipulations and it ends in an interesting place like where they win but did they <laughs> so this book picks up where the original trilogy ended where uh Basically, it's it's kind of it hasn't all gone to crap, but it's 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 pretty close. And so you have these various characters who are either trying to take advantage of it or trying to stop it and mm -hmm. trying to keep the empire from completely collapsing. So cool. it's a great series. I definitely recommend um, the Unhewn Throne if you're interested. in it's like epic fantasy that doesn't go on for 14 volumes. <laughs> Good. And if you read that series, pick this one up. <laughs> gotcha. So it's and it's the Empire's Ruin is the. the yes, the Empire's one. Ruin. Apparently, the series is also being developed as a television show that they're going to shop around. But uh, I was looking for an update to see if they'd been announced, like where it was going to be or what have you. And it seems like they were planning on on doing something in 2020, 2021, but nothing's really materialized yet. So okay. I think the guys who did uh, the folks who did Lord of the Rings for Amazon were behind the series. So, I mean, this could be great as a as an, a live action series. It'd be very gritty and dark, but um, cool. it's good stuff. So what do you got? Um, I have Metatropolis, uh, that is, it's a anthology of short stories. And as we just looked up beforehand, because I always just have heard the word anthology, thought it meant collection. <laughs> then I, for some reason had a doubt and we Googled it and it means it's a collection. So it's a collection <laughs> of short stories. Uh, they all happen to have the same theme from the blurb. It's a strange man comes to an even stranger camp encampment. A bouncer becomes the linchpin of an unexpected urban movement. A courier on the run has to decide who to trust in the dangerous city. A slacker in a zero footprint town gets a most unusual new job. And a weapons investigator uses his skills 
to discover a metropolis hidden right in front of his eyes. Welcome to the future of cities. Welcome to Metropolis. Meta Metropolis. Sorry. Not Metropolis. That's where Superman lives. Right. <laughs> um, so what drew me was it's a, it's an anthology that was put together and edited by John Scalzi, um, who's a favorite of mine. Uh, and it's five authors, I believe, including him. Uh, and there's, I think, only five stories in it. Um, oh, I, have wow. the, I have the Kindle version. Um, but they're, they're, I think they're longer short stories. Again, I don't know. I haven't actually, it's a Kindle, so I don't know how thick it is, right. but <laughs> it's on my list. Uh, it should be, should be pretty good. Um, cause I always like Scalzi stuff. Um, like, uh, love death and robots. The net latest season just came out and they released. If you, even if you don't have Netflix, go to YouTube, go see the three robots uh, short that they released. It, it's the same short that's in the series. Um, but he wrote that um, and it's a, a follow-up piece to the one that was in the first season of love, death and robots. And they remain hilarious and, <laughs> and accurate social commentary. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I have to say, I don't know how big the emperor's ruin or the empire's ruin is because uh, I got, audiobook i didn't get the the physical book but it's got to be something of a doorstopper because uh it's like 35 40 hours long like yes those that, aren't short books that's a bigger <laughs> that's a bigger book i think a disc world novel which is about yay big i think is about 10 or 12 hours i think yeah sounds about right so it's probably yeah so it's gonna take a while to get through it it's a good <laughs> It does. Uh, it does motivate me to exercise, though, because I listen to like that's how I get through my summer reading list. Is I go from walks in the morning, so that's a good forty-five to sixty minutes of just solid book time every morning. So, cool. yep, the dogs love it. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for uh, for my next book, I am giving into peer pressure. Um, I believe you've read this book. I believe I like all of our friends uh, have read this book, and I, I feel like I'm the only one who hasn't. So it's, uh, it's the long way to a small angry planet by Becky chambers, mm -hmm. part of the Wayfarer series. Uh, there's a, there's a number of books in this series. Um, obviously I haven't read any of them. Um, I know it's like space opera and exploring the universe and stuff. I didn't go and fetch the blurb. <laughs> I just giving into the peer pressure. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> I would, I would classify it. Like one of the things that drew me for it toward it was, um, our friend Natalie, she said uh, that it was kind of like Firefly, which is always that's always a good thing for me. Um, but I would classify it uh, and I don't know if this is a real thing or not, but I would almost classify it as cozy sci fi. Um, okay. you, know, you know how there's cozy mysteries. This is yeah, like yeah. cozy sci fi. There's there's some conflict in there, but it's mostly personal stories and it's it's just it feels good to read. It's and it's not like super stressful, like, you know, our worst timeline has been. So <laughs> Yeah, cool. so it seemed like it would be a good pick and like I trust your all's opinion. So, uh, cool. yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, my next one is unfortunately more along the social commentary side of things um, <laughs> called January 15th, which is uh, it's named that because that is the day that everybody gets their universal basic income payment. Um, and so it's a, it's by Rachel Swirsky and it's a book about, uh, as far as I can tell the positive and negative cons consequences of 
universal basic in income told through like the stories of four different people. It's pretty good. Uh, I know of Rachel Swirsky because she has been on uh, some of the Escape Pod podcasts. Um, I think she's the editor or was the editor on Podcastle for a while. I've known of her for a number of years. Um, and so that the name drew me in and I, I haven't really read it yet. I've looked at a couple of the first couple of pages and it's very much a set in near modern day, as far as I can tell. And people have definite problems, not too far into it. So I can't really give you how gotcha. it is, but it's supposed to be sci-fi. Cool. My, uh, my next book is, uh, one of the, the Timothy Zahn's, uh, Thrawn books. So it's, it's the long, long, super long title, just like all of these things have been. It's Star Wars Lesser Evil Thrawn Ascendancy Book Three. Um, these are like my go-to beach read because I just le love reading like blow them up starship battle science fiction at the beach. So these are uh, the Thrawn Ascendancy are prequels that are taking place. If I remember the timeline correctly at this point, between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, so well ahead of when, um, well before when. Uh, Thrawn throws up, shows up in, throws up, <laughs> shows up in Rebels, <laughs> um, and they'd be good. I mean, they're like, I, I think I said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again, right? Like, if you like Timothy Zahn and you like Thrawn, um, then read the book. <laughs> if this isn't, you can't start with this particular book. It's the third one in the series, and I think this is the third book of the second trilogy that he's written for this. So, I mean, they've been good. They're like political. Uh, Machination, machinations, machinations. Yep. Yeah, that word. <laughs> yeah, it's machinations. Right my, it's, machinations? My, it's right in my head, but as soon as I try to say it, I'll, I'll, I will not say it correctly either. So yeah, I think it's machinations. But it takes place, but, right? Machinations. There you go. So it takes place in the unknown regions. Um, in the um, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting the the freaking descendancy's name? Yeah, well, it's the uh, oh my god, where Thrawn is from? The what that what that's called? Oh, <laughs> I, I'm not prepared enough, folks. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what race he is. Even is he a Chiss? Yes, it's the Chiss ascendancy. Okay, there you go. There all you I go. needed was the one word, and all that all the rest of it would fall into place. The, so the Chiss is a big race in uh, uh, the Old Republic MMO. So it's oh, one of the gotcha. races you can play. So gotcha. I, gotcha. I liked the original series, like the, the old pre Disney ones. I haven't read any of the new ones. Um, the, but the one thing that was always kind of getting me is that Thrawn didn't ever seem to have flaws. Um, oh, <laughs> that he was like too perfect of a villain. But then again, I probably haven't read them since they came out, which was a long time ago. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that's probably accurate. Like his, uh, I think they they play up his, um, you know, in the in the books and in the in the TV series, they're very much about like his his strategy and his tactical strategy and understanding how culture can impact how uh, people might make their decisions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, they depict him as basically just a complete political neophyte. Like despite the fact that he can extrapolate all of these cultural references to understand how someone's going to act on the battlefield. He is not able to translate that into actually like maneuvering through the chess ascendancy, right? Oh, um, interesting. Okay, okay. And so he has. There's other supporting characters who are helping with that and protecting him because he's just like he's so brilliant that he just alienates everyone, and he doesn't yes. he doesn't even really see the need to deal with the political side of things, right? Like, 
but he needs to because he's going to get killed gotcha. <laughs> if he's, gotcha. you know, the just sentence is not a friendly place. <laughs> and I can see how that would actually play. Like even within the the older the older books, you're not dealing with the Chiss ascendancy where he's like something. Sometimes you're blind to the things that you're immersed in. He grew right. up in the ascendancy, I think, and so yes. he's kind of blind to his own culture, right? And so he can't predict everybody else's movements because they're it's his culture too. Um, and whereas when he's in the empire, it's mostly human dominated and fighting rebels, which are also not just, you know, right. He can kind of predict those things more easily or see those connections more easily. Right. And he's still brilliant. He still wins, but, uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting on the, the, I don't think he's an anti-hero. <laughs> he's, he's just like, he's a villain, <laughs> but in these books, he's, he's more the hero. He's like the protagonist. The he's a, he is definitely the protagonist. He may not be the hero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway that's my star wars fix for this summer gotcha um i have uh a non-fiction book on my list uh more of a coffee table ish book uh but i have it on kindle so i don't know how that translates anymore yeah that sounds like it might be a challenge yeah it's it's called the world atlas of coffee uh and they did format it to work on a kindle so there's like internal hyperlinks and things like that so um, they're aware that it's on an ebook format, which is cool. I love, I love it when books like that take advantage of the media. Um, right. It's the world Atlas of coffee by James Hoffman. Who's, um, if you are into coffee and watch YouTube, you probably have seen his videos. He's a, a British guy. He has a, a great manner and voice and, uh, really knowledgeable about coffee. Uh, I believe won the world barista championships at one point. Um, and so it's like talking about coffee from around the world. And uh, because Isleen is now a barista at Starbucks has even before being a barista at Starbucks has <laughs> liked coffee and some of the coffee culture, which is why she became a barista at Starbucks. Um, She's also interested in this book as well. And so I thought this would be a, a cool book for the two of us to read. So um, also James Hoffman is the um, developed uh, based on all the other AeroPress techniques that he has seen had developed his quote unquote perfect AeroPress uh, technique, which is the James, I, I would say it's the James Hoffman AeroPress technique because he would fully admit as well that there are other techniques out there that work very well as well. But that's the one that I use when I make coffee using the AeroPress. So and that might need to be a segment at some point because I, I don't. I can't say that I have ever actually researched it. I have a gotcha. thing that I do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, there's the there's the directions that come with the AeroPress. And, I don't do that. <laughs> um, and then there's a couple of other ways that other people make it. In fact, Isleen found a um, a way to make, quote unquote, espresso with the AeroPress. It's not really espresso, but it but it is a very strong coffee with some crema, depending upon how hard you push. Um, gotcha. And how, fresh <laughs> and how fresh the coffee is. But you do grind it as fine as you as you can, which is the way that espresso is made. Um, right. You use, um, a, you use a lot less liquid than a normal cup of coffee and a lot more ground about as many grounds, 
I think, as a normal okay. cup of coffee. But it, it, it becomes a very strong cup of coffee, and she uses it to make milk drinks. So it doesn't have to be, like, mm. super high quality because it's going to get drowned in oat milk and other stuff like that. <laughs> right. So right. give it a coffee flavor. So Yeah, I got I got to say, like, my morning coffee during the summer is is a, a critical part of my reading list because just kind of go out onto the back. Once the temperature gets up a little bit, like, it's, it's still, like, I don't know, 50 degrees in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's just a little too cold to be sitting outside without, like, you know, multiple layers on. Yeah, I did <laughs> If you're going to sit read a book (laughs) yeah i did that this week i actually did a little bit of journaling this week um when when my life hadn't gotten turned upside down for a few days there but like i for a couple days in a row i got up pretty early especially for me and just went out on the porch with a cup of coffee and and wrote some journaling stuff because uh um i saw neil gaiman live when he came to butler and uh and he one of the questions was like, how do you, how do you, um, like, do you have a process for your writing or something like that? Which is a right. standard kind of author question. And I was kind of impressed that he, he actually did it because he knows that there are new authors in his audience. Um, but he said something that I'd never heard anyone else say quite the same way is that he like he goes upstairs in his in his house and he's got a chair looks out the window with his coffee and his notebook and his pen and uh he doesn't have his phone doesn't have any other distractions he doesn't permit himself any other distractions and he says then after about 20 minutes um writing is the most interesting thing to do <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kind of like, like I can see that <laughs> I've always said, like having my phone means that I have this constant on demand supply of dopamine if I want it. Right. Um, and so like going and sitting for 20 minutes and just, you know, you can look out the window, you can look out at the traffic or other things like that. But eventually your brain's like, I want to do something. Right. <laughs> I want to. I want to work here. I want. I want some dopamine. <laughs> Writing sometimes gives me dopamine. Maybe I should write. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. So, yeah. <laughs> so that All was right. the world atlas so, of coffee. Yes, um, and and, and uh, entirely appropriate divergences, uh, all ultimately bringing us back to. Uh, reading more books. Um, so my next book is one, I think we've, we've probably talked about it before. Um, I think I might've had it on my list last year and didn't get to it. I think I might've had it as an alternate, but it's the obelisk gate. Yep. And I talked about it because I had, I had listened to it on audible a year or so ago. Yeah. It sounds about right. I still have three in my queue. As do I, because I went out and got all of them. Um, this is by uh, J.K. Jemison, um, and we've talked about this before. Uh, I think we both ended up having a hard time getting into book one of this series, and um, I kind of stopped and started when I had it on my summer reading list. Before I, I persevered, I, I think I ended up getting through the, like reading the audiobook, and I'm really glad I did. It's she's got great world building that goes on in this book. It's really fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was just I don't know for whatever reason it was just taking me a while to get started on it, which we've talked about before some of our other books too i know yeah, that's been your experience yeah, like, no. it, it i had the problem with um the city we became where i kind of bounced off the beginning of it a little bit but i i made it through the first chapter or two 
Um, and one minor correction, it's N.K. Jemison. What did I, I say? Oh, you said J.K. I, did I don't JK. know how it's J.K. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, yeah, it, like, I I have enjoyed both of the books so far. I agree. It's it's really good world building. Actually talks about some social issues, but completely divorced from our modern day yes. stuff um, in a way that I liked. Um, one of her short stories, uh, Emergency Skin, was a really, really good listen as well. So if you want the to ease, if anybody out there wants to ease into her, her style of writing, pick up Emergency Skin. It's It's short, but it's really evocative the first book is uh the fifth season if i remember correctly um yes. now second guessing myself but yes the fifth season and it's about like a basically like a I, you can't even call it a post-apocalyptic world it's like a far future world where multiple things have gone wrong the fifth season is basically like you have your normal four seasons and then the fifth season is just something terrible happens like acid storms earthquakes like something that lasts long enough to be considered a season um yeah. And so it's dealing with the consequences of that. There's these people who have powers and and how they're treated by society and their role as society. And it was all, it was great stuff. And so in this book, we find out what happens to I understand from the blurb, we understand what happened to a certain celestial body, or at least it teased that we might find out what happened to a certain celestial body, which, you know, I don't want to give too many spoilers because it was a fun part of the first book. But in any case, looking forward to reading it. <laughs> I read A Wizard of Earthsea I don't know how many years ago before my kids were born. So more than 20 years ago, I don't really remember it. And so I figured now is a good time to reread it. Um, I know I liked uh, it's by Ursula K. Le Guin and I've, I've liked her, her work in the past continued, continue to, uh, I haven't read a lot of her stuff lately, but it's one of those that for some reason came back into my, sphere of consciousness and I picked it up on Kindle again. Um, I probably have a hard copy in the basement somewhere, but this, I picked it up on the Kindle and, uh, I'm interested in, uh, rereading the classic. So, um, there, and there is more, there's wizard of earth. is the first of the series that she did. Yes. So I might be reading more of those, but I think I only read wizard of earth to begin with. Yeah, I think I did too. I actually read it as part of my science fiction seminar in college where we had, I think, 14 books. And it mm -hmm. was two books on the list. One was Left Hand of Darkness, also a very good book. Yes. And uh, uh, A Wizard of Earthsea. So cool stuff. It was one of, one of the best courses I took in college was science fiction seminar. I read like the Forever War, Berserker, like just all these great Those books. Um, yeah. 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 Really and what's fantastic. interesting uh, that I find interesting about some of the talk around science fiction, uh, especially science fiction, but some about fantasy as well, um, which you could put Obelisk Gate into is the more of the fantasy side, uh, is like people say that they don't want, the, like, don't be injecting your politics into my science fiction. You know, right. uh, <laughs> just like people say, don't be injecting your politics into my comic books. You obviously have not been really, you obviously don't remember the science fiction that you have been read, that you have read since a kid. It has always had some sort of politics or, or sort of thing in it. Um, 
it may not have been the entire focus of the book in some ways, but like left hand of darkness, if you read it, you could read it and it's a really neat story, but left hand of darkness could also be read in more of an allegorical sense uh, or, or, or a, a sense of like, well, what if, if I, if I remember like, what if, um, it wasn't aliens. What if this was all just humanity? And, uh, I believe it's like, you could read it in a, in a manner of what if someone had to be, what if someone was gay? You know, what if the main right. character was gay? Um, I, I don't quite remember left hand of darkness that I'm going to be putting on that on my list again. Um, but like, um, uh, it's just, it's one of those things that, a lot of our science fiction has politics in it. Um, my politics were shaped by the books I read. Right. <laughs> um, at least partially. Um, and it's really interesting to see how different people get different things out of the exact same book in the exact same text. Yeah. And in t today's world, I mean, the left hand of darkness, um, I remember reading it. it, it I know that like, Gender plays a major role because the, the the civilization has a gender where people pass through three different states of, of gender. I think like they only ever use like a male pronoun, but um, it, it was interesting in that. But it was just yeah. it was a great book. Like and, and like what were the impacts for society and and um, and what have you. But David Brin wrote a book called Glory Season, which was about uh, which reminded me of that, which was involved um, people who could be basically who were either a clone um, or you were born the old fashioned way and the culture differences between, you know, basically you have these lines of clones that have raised, uh, that have come into existence. But, um, you know, there was also still this need for genetic diversity. So people still did it the old fashioned way. Right. So, right. um, it was, uh, anyway, it's, it's great stuff. And there's, there's all these great like themes in it. And, uh, like you say, like there's, there's the politics. <laughs> yeah. I, so. I even remember like, um, like a Heinlein book which Heinlein's not always looked upon in a favorable light nowadays because of some of his views. But I seem to recall, and I believe it was a Heinlein book where, uh, like there's just, it's just a minor scene, but like the main character meets a person who is a woman, um, or a girl who a year ago was a boy and they don't talk. And it's like, they just kind of do that. Like that's, it's like, yeah. it, it isn't even, it, it definitely does not go into the psychology behind things of it, but it was one of those things of in the future, science can do a lot of things. So if someone wants to be a woman and then transition to be a man and then transition back to be a woman, that's okay. And it is now socially acceptable. Yeah, Heinlein had a fair amount of that going on in some of his later works. And like the moon is a, the moon is a harsh mistress. You know, it's a it's a book of revolution on the Mars and it's like an anarchistic capitalist society. But it kind of like goes into like, OK, what would that look like? What does it look like to have a revolution on the moon? And and what happens when you realize that your resources like you're perpetually running down? And, and what does that mean with you? That means that's the end of your civilization in a couple of years if you if you don't take action. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's this like your friend computer who's doing all the projections all the time. But, you know, it's it's some interesting stuff to, like, go back and read. It doesn't always update well or, like, age well, but uh, right. 
in any case, <laughs> we've, we've grown as a society, I hope. Um, yes. So like if he wrote it, like if he was alive today and was writing today, um, as he was writing those books, then I think they would, I don't know. I don't know how they would turn out, but I would hope that they would turn <laughs> out a little more sensitive to what we accept now, but also he was kind of ahead of his time in that sense. But again, yeah, he also does some, some straight up bonker stuff. stuff. Yes. He also does some straight up bonker stuff. <laughs> <sighs> so, but in any case, <laughs> again, like, like I said, there's, there's politics in there. There's weird stuff. It's yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, on the lighter side, um, but also probably has some, some social commentary in there, but it's definitely on the lighter side. Uh, I have Wintersmith uh, by, by Terry Pratchett, um, which is more Discworld. I believe it's part of the Tiffany Aching uh, Witches series. There's like five of those or so. Um, and I managed to read them out a bit out of order. I read, uh, you're supposed to read like We Free Men, Wintersmith, and then um, I Shall Wear Midnight. And I read I Shall Wear Midnight, and now I'm reading Winter Smith, and I think I'm going to read We Free Men, because I'm going to read them in backward order. But that's okay, because it's Discworld. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I had just finished, what did I just finish? Uh, the Weird Sisters, which is way before Winter Smith, um, uh, which was really funny, because it was basically, there's a whole bunch of, um Shakespeare type plays that he turn he uses as fodder for a lot of the stories and stuff. Like the main story is basically um Macbeth in it. Okay. Um, you know, there's a with the whole is this a knife I see before me? And the the guy who kills the old king can't wash the blood off of his hands. Although right. in, in Macbeth, that was the wife. And then in, in this, he can't. And so he's constantly scrubbing his hands and he's like, I keep seeing blood come out of my hands and you know, I'll get a wire brush. I'll scrub it off with a wire brush. And by the end of the book, he has basically a stub <laughs> for one of his hands because he keeps, he keeps trying to get the blood off. Of course, not realizing it's his own blood at this point coming out, but, you know, right. that's how psychoses sometimes are not, you know, at least in books go. Um, right. But it seems cool. Um, it, it, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm, I'm probably gonna, uh, read a bit more serious of a book and then I'll go dive back into Wintersmith. You know, none of these books that I've been talking about are, are going to be read in order. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. So you have a list yeah, so of things coming up. Yeah, I do. I do. So I, I've been reading um, Hellboy and BPRD for years and years and years. And I have finally, like, I'm caught up. <laughs> there are so many graphic novels in both of these series because it's been out for, for years and years and years. And I, I just developed this interest and in enjoyment of horror comics and reading horror comics during the summer, right? Like, I go to Lake Champlain and we hang out with our friends on, a, on an island and like you sit by the campfire and you read Hellboy and it's it's good stuff. Um, so I'm caught up, though. So there's still occasionally like a Hellboy book that comes out or a BPRD book that comes out. Well, actually, I think B BPRD may be just done at this point because 
it was pretty conclusive <laughs> where it got to. The, okay. the world is not in a great place. Okay. Um, but in any case, uh, the apocalypse is now. But in any case, I'm, I'm looking for some new books. And so I've gone out and done a little bit of research. And if anybody has ideas for stuff that I might be interested in, please let me know. Um, but I'm just going to rattle off a couple that, uh, as I was searching for horror comics, this is kind of what rose to the top. So um, the first and foremost is actually The Immortal Hulk by Al Awing. Um, it is fantastic. I think I've talked about it before. It's basically just like classic horror comics from like the 50s or what have you updated to the modern day with the Hulk coming back from the dead. And he just he can't stay dead. Mm. And there's this green door that if you pass through the green door, there's these transformations. And Gamma is just kind of like this corrupting, all powerful, somewhat mystical energy that just messes with people. And it's a fantastic read, but I finished it. <laughs> so right. it's at the top of like all of the modern horror lists horror comic lists like right alongside Hellboy and BPRD but uh, it's great I might like reread it it was so good but um, cool. but anyway it was good enough you put it on the list even though you've already finished it yes I would definitely and you know if people say oh Ken you would love the Immortal Hulk I did I did it's fantastic you should read it if that's what you're in the mood for obviously all of these things are if you're in the mood for it because they are horror and they can be kind of dark and what have you so you know if you're looking for popcorn books, this isn't them. Um, so one of them is uh, that that was also recommended. It was Something is Killing the Children by James uh, Tinian, uh, the fourth. Um, the blurb is the children of Archer's Peach, uh, Peak uh, begin to go missing. Everything ho seems hopeless. A few return and have terrible stories. And then uh, this woman, Erica Slaughter, uh, shows up. She kills monster. You know, she kills monsters because that's what you do um okay. which seems like something uh, i don't know how if it's uh, i don't think it's buffy-esque but you know monster of the week i love that kind of stuff I, I was really into supernatural for a while so this sounds like it's it's right up my alley yep. um swamp thing by uh ram v i think this is ram v I, I don't i'm not actually familiar with this author so if it's ram five uh, roman numeral then you know somebody can correct me but i think it's ram v um and so basically it is uh there's a new guardian of the swamp um and uh, this person is thrust into a harsh, unforgiving mystery of grisly murders committed by a supernatural desert legend. Um, and so the main character is Indian, and he must revisit his past events in his homeland of India to face the deadly reality of a, of a new villain. And um, sounds cool. I mean, I, I've read a little bit of Swamp Thing here and there, um, but not like the real good horror stuff. So I think, um, I think that might be a good addition to the list. And then the last yeah. one... Is, I, was, uh, I was just going to say that the, the last time I read Swamp Thing uh, was like when I was reading it when it first came out before the whole Guardian of the Green and the what is it? The Council of the Trees okay, or something along those lines. I only learned of those like through Batman, the animated series. <laughs> oh, see, I don't even know. Like, I, I, I suppose my knowledge of it comes from Batman, the animated series. And the Swamp Thing movies from like the eighties, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> Which were not particularly not horrific, particularly good or horrific. Well, yeah, so they may have been um, horrific in terms of their quality, but I yes, know. I mean, I seem to remember enjoying them as a kid. But you know, so yeah. this is not that. Yeah. Um, but it's gotten great reviews, and you know, I occasionally venture into DC land. I'm a Marvel guy, but I'll read some DC. Um, the last book is the uh, the Me You Love in the Dark by Scotty Young, um, mm. and it's uh, 
An artist named Roe retreats from the grind of the city to an old house in a small town to find solace and inspiration without realizing the muse that she finds within is not what she expected. And uh, the it, the tease says fans of Stephen King and Neil Gaiman will enjoy this beautiful, dark and disturbing story of uh, discovery, love and terror, which um, okay. haunted house. I'm down with that. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I heard about that one, but I have not. Uh have not actually uh, picked that one up or anything like that. So uh, I think one of the, um, one of my friends recommended it was like, Hey, look at this, but I, I'm not a super comic book person. Most of the right. time. So um, I've got two more things and I think we're wrapping up here. Um I, I I read the first couple, and we talked shortly before the stream that you've read the first few uh, books of the Laundry Files by Charles Strauss, um, and I think I read several in a row, and then went to either stopped reading for a while or switched to another book series, and I just never jumped back to it. And then I saw that Escape from Yokai Land was a new, the twelfth book in the laundry files. And I thought, yeah, why not? Let's jump back in at book 12. Um, from what I remember though, like they're fairly self-contained novels. So, yeah. um, or it might be like jumping into book 12 of the Dresden files where you could pick it up and read it, but it would probably be richer if you had read the first 11. Um, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so these are, these are, uh, like supernatural humor, books right it's, like with a mix of, it's just like the x-files meets the it crowd at least the first like two or three books seems, were like that right yeah yeah and i think the further like the further i remember getting into it the less the humorish humor oh, okay. was but it might have just been that the per, that particular book that i read maybe it does go dive back into the humor side of things um like yokai are I believe uh, like Japanese equal evil spirits. Um, and so like escape from yokai land seems a little weird. Like it's like escape from zombie land. So right. perhaps, I don't know. Like I said, I, I haven't, um, uh, I don't even have the blurb written down here. So, uh, but it's on my Kindle. I'm going to read it. Uh, I will let you all know. Um, yeah, I liked I liked the um and the, and the first couple of books they I think they came out in like the in the late nineties or something like that um or maybe early aught so the technology is dated but as somebody who works in IT you know I think it was funny how he was how they use technology I and mean, he works for like this bureaucratic agency within yeah. the English like um, British government right and so it's the sort of thing where you know you bind a demon using a program and so like. I don't know if this was, I don't think this was actually in the books, but like, you know, we use this old 386 computer to like bind the demon. So never turn it off. Right. Ever. Right. Don't, 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 don't install any updates. Yeah. It must run yeah. the way it is forever. Keep it plugged and in, wall the <laughs> right. room in. Um, yeah. And you know, that's not going to work forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's likely um, setting up a plot for a future book. <laughs> little side piece of, uh, of game trivia, of tabletop game trivia, I believe it was uh, Charles Strauss, a young Charles Strauss, that came up with uh, the Githyanki and the Githzeri from uh, what 
ended up going into the Fiend Folio for AD&D First Edition and is still in D&D now. Um, it, it originally came out, I think, in White Dwarf magazine over in Britain. Yeah, something like that. Um, and uh, which was before, like, very early on in Games Workshop history when they had, I think, Warhammer Fantasy, but not 40K yet. Not the hit of 40K yet. Um, right. So uh, it's just interesting that he's, like, he must have been very young when he wrote yes. those because he's <laughs> our age or maybe a little older. Um, so he would have probably been in his, you know, his teens or early twenties when he wrote those and got published with those. Um, right. Which is, which is just absolutely funny. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so the last thing I have, uh, I said, I didn't read a whole lot of comics. Uh, however, um, uh, friend of mine Judzia Axelrod has come up come out with another one another graphic novel of hers um the last one that I read was uh I believe it's the battle for blood and ink it's somewhere on my shelf over there um this is a uh it's galaxy the prettiest star it is a, a marvel book uh no no it is dc it is a dc book um because it is in universe with superman um ah, okay superman doesn't show up in it but superman is referenced in it um uh so uh galaxy the prettiest star is um a uh an alien from another planet just like superman uh whose, <laughs> whose planet was invaded and uh she and uh a few others escaped and came to earth and are now hiding as transformed as humans. Uh, and so she is a human boy uh, going to high school um, <laughs> and in hiding from the, the people that took over her planet. Um, and it's not a story about the, that's the, that's the backdrop. Um, gotcha. You don't, you don't meet, you don't, you know, those, at least in this graphic novel, those 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 people don't find them, um, but it is always a threat there. Um, but it is it is basically about you know being in high school, not and not being the person that you truly are, um, and uh, basically finding out who you truly are, finding the people that accept you for your who you truly are, um, and. Uh, being a badass proto uh, proto superhero, um, you know. So, uh, uh, um, Galaxy, you know, meets someone else who's from Metropolis. They moved away from Metropolis um, and moves to her town. Uh, and uh, like, it's it's a whole thing of like how they. Uh, how they get around, how they, um, how cat, who's this person who moved from Metropolis, you know, accepts her. Um, and it's a really cool, uh, really cool kind of heartwarming at, and at sometimes gut wrenching sort of story. Um, and, uh, I am looking forward to more if there will be more. 
Um, I don't know if there will be, I haven't heard anything about it, but, uh, I like it. Um, and I've given it to my kids to read because I think that they will like it too. Cool. And that's it. That's, that's, that's all on our current summer reading lists. We may, you know, uh, I might, there may be a part two. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like, I, I, I think we said this last time when we talked about summer reading lists, like in season one is like, Ken, you, you've had a summer reading list for years and Indeed. I am kind of emulating your summer reading lists, but I'm nowhere near as disciplined as you are with your summer reading lists. So some of the books on my list may never get read. Um, right. <laughs> and, but they will be, re- maybe replaced by other, other things that I haven't mentioned today. Um, so, uh, audience out there, uh, if you're listening and you want to hold me to it, um, you know, just, just ask me, Hey, how's this book that I'm interested in too? <laughs> and it'll be like, Oh, I probably should read that. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how I do this year. Last year, I, I actually completed my summer reading list during the summer, but I took off most of July between backpacking in Philmont and uh and going on vacation the second half of the month so um it was a lot of downtime to be able to read I, I will definitely not have nearly as much of that but I will have scout camp a week gotcha. at scout camp might give me some opportunities to read we'll see cool cool thanks for listening everybody uh if you're watching us on twitch uh thank you very much for watching us um if you have feedback we love feedback please send it to us podcast at layer or you can send it to us directly on Twitter at Layer of Secrets. Uh, we're streaming live currently. Uh, if you're watching right now on Twitch, uh, we are Layer of Secrets, all one word. So Twitch TV, Twitch.tv slash Layer of Secrets is is our address there. Um, we do these uh, more or less every Tuesday uh, around 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, and uh, but sometimes life gets in the way. So, um, but feel free to visit us over layer at layerofsecrets.com and leave us some feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts on what we've talked about. Send us your reading list. We would love to hear that because, uh, one of the things that I always have problems with is, uh, finding books to read that I might like. And so hearing from, from friends of mine out there that says, Hey, I read this book. I like it that usually means I will like that book too. And I should pick it up. Yeah, exactly. And I, I enjoy uh, like branching out and trying out new things. I, I will admit I'm pretty much a speculative fiction guy. I occasionally read some nonfiction and non-speculative fiction, but there's a lot out there to be read Yes, by a lot of different voices. So, you know, you got some suggestions and something different. Love to hear it.